And here we go. Let's <laughs> this goose. <laughs> I don't apocalypse on Shabbos. <laughs> Trump Shabbos. <laughs> I say that doesn't sound like too good of a story for him then. <laughs> yes, it's an 80s film, but it's a quintessential 80s film. That motherfucker gets me excited about science. But yes, I, I do think that this movie requires a couple more views. I have the same cup size as Doc Hawk. <laughs> Give me my sandwich. <laughs> no crusts. Was it an instant classic for you? Uh, no. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moviegoers of all ages, welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Kavanagh. With me, as always, is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other... Don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Hey, you don't be crazy. I promise I won't if you're not crazy. I am always crazy. <laughs> you are born crazy. You're like Britney Spears crazy. What movie was that on? That was on a movie, right? Yeah. Uh, was it? It was with um, Melissa Joan Hart and Entourage. What's his yeah. name? Adrian... Drive me crazy? Yeah. I think it was literally called Drive Me Crazy or Drive You Crazy or something. <laughs> I think it was oh, called no. I think it was called Don't Be Crazy. Oh. <laughs> with, with Melissa Joan Hart. <laughs> she was like ding 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 ding. <laughs> the sound of my life. <laughs> oh shit. How are you? <laughs> I am good. I have no complaints. Oh, none? Not even one. No regrets? <laughs> ah, I do get up early tomorrow, so that kind of sucks. But other than that, I am all well. What time is early? Five. That's like chump change, man. <laughs> no, but I've been I, up, I've been up for like 10 days, minutes at that point. It, it, it wears on you. Like by Thursday, I'm like, oh my God. I finally can appreciate the, like, thank God it's Friday thing because it's the last day that I have to wake up early. That's true. I and do. That, that never made any sense to me. Uh, but now, now it finally does. I do like me some Fridays. You know, I totally agree with you. I really appreciate my sleep nowadays. It's uh, it's interesting. So, yeah. um, hey man, yeah, it's uh, it's been cool. I was in Chicago last week and uh, checking out some of the, you know, the sights and sounds of the city. It was really cool. Have you ever been to Chicago? No. Um, beautiful city, absolutely beautiful. The architecture is insane. Uh, it is just a gigantic town. And um, a lot Someone of called a city. Uh, it's a it's a it's a fellowship, um, or it's a township. A lot of uh, movies were filmed there too. So you got your Pretty Woman's, your Ferris Bueller's, your Dark Knights. So that was kind of cool walking around and seeing certain areas and being like, oh, this is where Bruce had a hot dog in the Dark Knight. He was walking around eating hot dogs here. So that never happened. That was the, that was the so. deleted scenes. Yeah, the deleted director's scenes. cut. That's what the that's what the the tour guide told us anyways. But. <laughs> I want, I want a hot dog. <laughs> like, Give me a hot dog with mustard. Where are the drugs? <laughs> That's only the hot dogs. I know. Um, <laughs> Some berries. <laughs> Eat the berries. <laughs> but we are not doing The Dark Knight. What no. are we doing, Justin? We are doing Dread from 2012. Arr. Not to be mistaken with, with Sylvester Stallone's Judge Dread. This is the real McCoy, man. This is, this is Dread 2012, directed by Pete Travis. The real McCoy. Nice. That's a thing. The real Hatfields and McCoys. <laughs> yeah. uh, <loving. laughs> 
Cool. I'm excited. I've, and this was fun because I've never seen this movie, and uh, you had a lot of praise for it. I um, did, but it, the reason why this movie even came up to begin with was because you were talking about The Raid Redemption, which is one of your favorites. Love and it. this movie uh, came out, I believe, shortly after it, and it parallels it quite a bit. Actually, yes, you're right. Yeah, it came out. Well, I mean, it's like it was a year based off of what the thing said. I don't know what month or anything it came out, but yes, absolutely. Um, and I saw a lot of that in it, but yeah. Yeah, instead of kicking, it's, it's bullets. Well, <laughs> it's kind of like kicking. It's like metal kicking, except yeah. way faster. So, and it hurts more. Um, what uh, what kind of stuff are you watching right now? Well, what's it? What's a really good movie you can recommend for me? Oh man, I didn't. Uh, I haven't watched. Any- oh, you know what? I watched a movie. <laughs> I think let's keep terrible. let's keep PG thirteen though, not your your type of movies. <laughs> I know. I, I want to look it up, but I, it's hard because right now the Emmys are going on, and if you go on IMDb, then it automatically live streams it, and it's kind of a pain in the ass. But oh. it was it was called um, Night Hunter, and it had uh, Henry Cavill in it, and it had uh, Ben Kingsley, and it uh, it wasn't good. I like that Henry Cavill. He he reloads his arms all the time. I know, and that's the thing too. His arms, like they don't touch his sides. He's just like like so a gorilla. Yeah, he's so buff. He's I'm really jealous. Buff. I know, yeah. right? It's not good. No, um, I watched uh, Rocket Man, uh, the new one with Taron Egerton, the the bio, the biopic of um, Elton John. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I really liked it a lot, actually. I mean, it had some issues here and there. I think it was better than Bohemian Rhapsody. Plus, I liked that uh, Taron was singing the songs himself, and it was cool. It was a jukebox musical, so it kind of fit the the story. Um, it was very like fantasy realism kind of thing. So it was it was neat. It was a fun one to watch. And then I also I'm doing a double dip here. I watched Sicario again, and my gosh, oh, watch it! In, I watched it in 4K. That movie is beautiful. Did I think Deacons did it right? Because Villain mm-hmm. Wave was the director, mm-hmm. and um, my goodness! So I've only seen that movie. The first time I saw it was years ago, I think, when it came out. And um, oof, top to bottom, the cast is excellent. It's just that highway scene. I was like, I knew, oh. what, I knew what happened, but I'm just like, whew, whew, yeah, my, so much tension. My blood pressure. It's so much tension, and it's just, it's incredible. But and the music's like. <laughs> it's like, like <laughs> <laughs> you're like, dude. I'm trying to breathe here. I can't with that music making all that noise. Oh, oh man. I like that when they land in Mexico and they start their hike to go to where the caves are, and the sun is setting, and they're just walking past the the horizon and everything. That look, that's beautiful. oh my gosh. Yeah, no, it's beautiful because it's it's really dark and you can't see much of what's going on, but you see just enough and. No, they, it's it's really, really cool. So, he's good. Anyways, Dread, 2012, Pete Travis, let's do the damn thing. Let me open this IMDb and make sure it doesn't go to the Emmys. All right, cool. Uh, so, <laughs> it will, it will. Eh. Well, yeah. this this one didn't have a link directly to it. Okay, so cool. Dread stars Carl Urban as the titular Judge Dread. Um, it has, so this is, this is, Alphabet. Oh, I'm sorry. This isn't alphabetical. This is by their performance. So I'm not going to read all of them because not all of them are major players. But you have Olivia Thirlby as Anderson, um, Rocky Ayola, Lena Hedy. Do you say Hedy or Hedy? I say Hedy. Okay. Lena Hedy. I'll just go with that. Uh, as Mama, 
Um, Wood Harris is K. He was great. He was in The Wire. He was in Creed. Um, Patrick Leister. You have uh, Dom Hill Gleason. Um, a lot of actually really good actors in this movie, uh, especially for something that seemed slightly lower budget. But uh, Carl Urban, the, t- the titular Judge Dredd, is just so goddamn good. And that's all I'll say about that. But why, Justin, why did this movie not do so hot? Oh, man, yeah. So it, it missed the mark <laughs> with, a, with a budget of, <laughs> of uh, $50 million there, and it only bringing in $35.6 million worldwide. Uh, it's pretty tough. But I do think that in a sort of the post-Avengers world, it's now 2012, um, this would be one of the... Uh, probably the more recent R-rated comic book movies um, in 2012. And it was a property that no one really cared a whole lot about, and their last experience with it was all the way back in, what, 95 with Sylvester Stallone. Um, And that movie was not good. (laughs) It wasn't uh, Nighthunter bad, but it was pretty bad. (laughs) You mean you didn't uh, like Rob Schneider at all? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, it uh, It wasn't all that good. Um, <laughs> not gonna lie, and um, so I think they just had a very high hill to climb, and um, it's it's more of a mountain, see, and not a lot of people were into that, and that's unfortunate because Carl Urban just sold me as dread. He was just badass. He was he was one hundred percent invested into this character, and I think it shows. And you know, it's one of those things where it has a pretty strong cult following now, but everyone saw it once it came out of the theaters and into, you know, Netflix or, you know, Amazon Prime, wherever, whatever they were available to stream it is when people started to see it. And from my experience, everyone I've shown the movie to that had never seen it before actually really, really enjoyed it. So that's that's a positive. Yeah. But the, the critics, I mean, you know, going on like Rotten Tomatoes, you know, it has, it's, a, it's got a fresh tomato. It's um, 79% with the critics and 72 with the audience. So, I mean, it's, it has the ingredients for a fun movie. It's just one of those, it's like the best movie you never saw kind of thing. Yeah, totally. One of those type of deals. Mm. That's, that's good. That's interesting that it has its certified fresh, though. Um, and again, a reason we do this podcast is because it's like, it doesn't have to be this groundbreaking makes five times what it was worth back, it could still be a diamond in the rough. And in this case, it just was unfortunate. So one thing I did read was they were planning, they wanted to do this as like a trilogy um, to spin off, which I totally think they can because the IP is so cool. Um, But they wanted it as 3D originally. They wanted Dread in 3D. And that turned off a lot of moviegoers who were kind Mm -hmm. of tired of the 3D thing. Yeah, I saw it in 3D. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah, um, but I, that was my only option at mm. the time. Uh, there was playing at a, regu- at, a, at a normal time, the non-3D, but um, it just didn't work out to my day. <laughs> it's one of those yeah. things where I need to go see it at this time, so I'm watching 3D. And I'm not a fan of 3D at all, Neither but um, it worked. I mean, I walked out of the theater saying, what movie? That's a good movie. You should go see it. <laughs> <laughs> Two thumbs way, way up. <laughs> did you um, did you like it better 3D, or did you like it better when you were watching it? I, I don't like anything 3D. It's, I mean, it's so gimmicky. Um, yeah. And there are parts in this movie where you can see where the 3D would really play into it, like in the slow-mo moments and uh, just the gratuitous violence of 
bullets piercing flesh and faces getting smashed. Um, it it exudes 3D, and like even if you watch it in in its regular 2D form, as you as you see these shots happening, you could be like 3D. <laughs> <laughs> you know that that's what they were going for, baby Ruth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone just needs to sit there with a squirt bottle and spray your face every time blood splatters on the screen. Yeah, I could see how it could work for 3D, but I, I'm with you. I'm not. I think 3D is so gimmicky, and I cannot stand it. But this movie, I, I could see parts where it could work, but I'm I'm glad I didn't watch it in 3D because I would have gouged my eyes out. So. You can't do that. You're wearing protective eyewear. She would have gouged. Mama would have gouged my eyes out. <laughs> yeah. have those cool robotic eyes after that. She so. does that. Um, so the critics, uh, let me just read a couple of these things. Sean O'Connell from the Washington Post says, This finally is the dread movie comic book readers have been anticipating. That's my dog barking in the background. <laughs> Rizzo, Rizzo, Rizzo. <laughs> Rizzo, she's a barking. Um, <laughs> you doing dog fights back there, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. No, I do. She's, she's, uh, she just likes to bark. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing out there. I've gone out there a thousand times. It's like total like horror movie thing. Where I think there's ghosts out there, man. <laughs> like, hey, what are you barking at, girl? And I go out there and there's nothing there. It's crazy. Uh, let's see here. Michael Compton. From Bowling Green Daily News says, A blood-soaked cocktail with a stylistic kicker. I found it to be a lot of fun. Nice. I like this guy's style. Thanks, Michael. Yeah. Uh, Man, she's still barking. Silly dog. Um, Stephen Whitty from Newark Star-Ledger. He didn't like it. We've seen this future, and not only does it not work, it no longer even surprises. I disagree. I feel like this is a guy that maybe got to see the Sylvester Stallone one and then said that he saw this one and didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the part when Taco Bell is in it. and <laughs> Wasn't that, oh, that, was that Demolition Man or was that Judge Dredd? Demolition Man, Taco Bell. I was going to say, because those are like two similar movies. But I think the Australian version doesn't use Taco Bell. I think they use uh, like Pizza Hut. Really? And, yeah, and then... Uh, it was funny because I was watching uh, this one guy, uh, Minty, and he was watching, he does like 10 things he didn't know about this movie or whatever. And so he's from Australia. And then it wasn't until he watched it in the United States. He's like, Taco Bell? What the hell? <laughs> Taco Bell? It was kind of funny. Uh, Kyle Smith from New York Post says, my notes are as follows. Shoot bad guy, shoot bad guy, shoot bad guy. What an asshole. I like that, though. Sometimes you just got to shoot the bad guy. <laughs> I, I think that there's way more to this movie than that. Absolutely. He, he was not paying attention, and I doubt he even watched it. I know. He was probably on his phone the whole time. I, I guarantee <laughs> you that this man did not even watch the movie. He was on Tinder the whole time, swiping. We should have him take a quiz. <laughs> we should email him. Yeah, Kyle Smith. Is that even your real name? Sounds made up. <laughs> Sounds fake. Yeah. I mean... From someone like this Sean O'Connell guy that says this is finally the Dread movie comic book readers have been anticipating, that says a lot. When it's someone that actually reads the comic and can appreciate the movie versus, you know, it always being the comic book fans are the harshest critics of the bunch. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Oh, one last one. Uh, Evan Dossie from Midwest Film Journal. An Immaculate Vision of Mega City 1. I can believe that. I dig it. 
Yeah. And he he sounds just by saying that he sounds like he knows some of the lore and like some of the comics behind that too because like I don't have any type of vision of Main City One except for for this movie. So it sounds like he uh, kind of had an expectation and it it fulfilled that expect expectation. Yes. Uh, one more. Yeah. Uh, one two. Uh, Travis. Dread is a fantastic film, laser focused, true to true to the spirit of the comic book character, and filled with ratcheting tension and killer hard R action set pieces. Nice. Agreed. That was a good one, too. I dig yeah. it. So, All right. Well, I will jump into this then really quick so we can get going. Um, quick synopsis. All right. The world is in ruin, destroyed by the nuclear fallout suffered from world wars of the past. The remaining citizens inhabit the dystopian Pangea in the East Coast United States, now known as Main City One. This crime-ridden and godforsaken city is home to some Mega of the... City One. Shit, that's what I said. You didn't hear me. You didn't hear me because of my lisp. Uh, <laughs> it was Mega City One, is what I said. This crime-ridden and godforsaken city is home to some of the most ruthless criminals to ever exist. In order to police these criminals, the Hall of Justice, the, uh, the Hall of Justice, deploy the futuristic police officers called judges who deal justice to those criminally vile citizens. Dread, the most feared judge, takes on Anderson, a clairvoyant rookie who wants to make a difference in the world. When Dredd and Anderson go to Peachtree, a giant residential megastructure, to investigate a homicide, they stumble upon Kay, responsible for said murder and major player in the supervillain Mama's gang. Not willing to lose her hold on an incredibly potent street drug, Mama traps the two judges in the Peachtree and tells all the residents to actively seek and kill those judges. Against all odds... The judges survive the onslaught and defeat Mama, proving that justice will always prevail and that there is no black and white. Crime is not the law. Dread is the law. Mm. Oh, the law. Over the top. <laughs> Over the top. <laughs> um, cool. Like, okay. Like truck. So look at look, truck. So uh, right off the bat, I'll give my impression. I had not seen this. Um, I liked it. I definitely liked it. Um, it was fun. I ended up buying it because it was reasonably inexpensive, um, but I really liked it. I thought it was a fun movie to put on, and I mean, it, it warrants your attention. And any movie really should, but you don't have to, you know, be laser focused when you're watching it. You get the gist of it, and there are certain things that you can kind of like turn away from and still understand. Uh, but I thought that it was fun, and it's. It's a pretty simple idea. Like I said, it, it pulls from the raid quite, you know, it mirrors the raid, that movie Redemption. And um, and I really love that movie. So naturally, at first, I was kind of like, oh, this is a little too similar, but I actually really liked it. And they they presented it in a very good way. So one thumb way up, you should go see it. <laughs> Don't be stealing my stuff. One and a half thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, what about you? What say you? Obviously, you really liked it. Yeah, yeah. I've been a, a fan for a long time. Um, in 2012, I had declared this movie the most underrated film of 2012. Mm. Um, enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, big fan. I like... There's a lot of things I like about this movie. Um, I do like the set pieces. I do like the gratuitous violence. I do like the the music is just amped way the fuck up. Like, as, as, it's, as they're going down the halls and they're just sort of clearing the areas the the sort of electronic music that's playing is just sort of like beating with my heart. It's really crazy. Like it has this sort of this oons 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 thing <laughs> that is totally getting me riled up for for what's happening on screen. 
And, uh, and I, I like that a lot. I, I thought that it was, the music was telling me uh, what's happening next, which was cool. I like that a lot. Yeah, no, I agree. I thought the, the music was really cool. It was a, it fit the, the story. It wasn't out of place. Um, it didn't kind of drop in anywhere weird, kind of like Tombstone. There were some weird parts where the music was playing and it probably shouldn't have been. But um, just because we did that one last week, th- that was the one that came to mind. But uh, no, I thought the, the score was awesome in this movie. So, mm-hmm. um, but one thing that I kind of didn't know right off the bat if I would like or not, and this is me being super judgmental at first, was it starts out with a lot of um, narrative exposition where you get dread and and you can't see him. He's just, it's an overlay of the city and he's explaining what happens. Um, so Justin, at first, when I, when I saw this, I'm such a proponent of show don't tell and I was kind of turned off by it, but I think this really works. Um, because I look at these, you know, post-apocalyptic uh, movies like um, Mad Max Fury Road, where they do the same kind of thing, and it works. So I'm just going to read it really quick, um, but this is how it starts with Judge Insane. America is an irradiated wasteland. Within it lies a city. Outside the boundary walls, a desert. A cursed earth. Inside the walls, a cursed city. Stretching from Boston to Washington, D.C. An unbroken concrete landscape. 800 million people living in the ruin of the old world and the megastructures of the new one. Mega blocks, mega highways, mega city one. Convulsing, choking, breaking under its own weight. Citizens in fear of the street, the gun, the gang. Only one thing fighting for order in the chaos. The men and women of the Hall of Justice. Juries, executioners, judges. I thought that that set up the movie so well because... I didn't want to do homework for this movie and and I didn't know that it was based off of a comic book and that's weird for me to say because I normally know everything. I'm the smartest man alive. But <laughs> the fact that that I didn't really know much about it was really cool because that sets it up in a way that's like, look, all this shit happened before. We don't need to do an origin story with him. We don't need to do anything like that. It's like we're going to get you right into it. Like, Did you did you have an idea of Dread when you saw it like before you saw this one? Like, Did you know the comic book backstory and everything? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. 100%. OK, so. Do you think that that changed the way you looked at it or do you like if you went into it listening just to this this um, narrative exposition at the beginning, do you think that that really would have helped you understand the story a little bit better? Yes, I do. I I think that that exposition tells you everything that you need to know about this world doesn't tell you what you need to know about dread. I think he he shows you himself, but it tells you how cruel and harsh this world is. And it even opens up your eyes further as the movie goes on. You know, like when people are murdered and this little, like, janitor robot thing comes by to recycle humans. Ugh. It's like, okay, are they eating these people? <laughs> there's, there's, no, there's no farms, there's no cows, there's no livestock. It's like, what are we doing with this recycled human? You know, and it's right there in a food court, which is kind of funny. And then it's just business as usual, which is kind of great. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a very, very dirty world. And um, I like how how dread just goes at it every single day you know like it shows him getting ready in the morning and we never see him without his helmet on which is pretty cool i mean he doesn't shower with it obviously but we just never <laughs> see his face <laughs> we didn't you know it's done in a way to where dread is the character and and we're focused on him and not carl urban which is kind of cool 
So perfect, because then that leads into the first point I'll bring up. So um, why is this, and I'm asking you, why is this better than the original? I mean, this is more gratuitous in the violent nature. That Stallone one, I mean, it had violence, but it wasn't like this, where we're seeing, you know, the slow-mo getting shot in the stomach, getting shot in the face. We're seeing the people die in the food court, and then they're like, we apologize. We'll be back op open in 30 minutes or whatever. It's like people just got murdered here, and they're going to reopen this food court. Right. Um are we so predisposed to this gratuitous violence in action films that that is the reason that this is better? Um, or well, do you, yeah, go ahead. So for me, it's just a better story. In the Sylvester Stallone one, he, you know, gets fired and he gets kicked out of the city and then he's got to find his way back in kind of thing. It's not, it's not a good story. In this one, it's, you know, they're just taking what's most interesting about Dread and that is, you know, him fighting crime and now all of a sudden he's fired. <laughs> it's like, okay, great. Step into my office. Why? Because you're fucking fired. It's like, okay. So that is six, no man. No six. <laughs> yeah. So I like this one because, and it's not even really Dredd's story. You know, we'll get into this in a minute, but it, for me, it was more Anderson's story, and Dredd is just there as, you know, to complement what's happening. But um, this one's cool because this is just a day in the life of these judges. And what's cool about Dredd is that he just has this aura about him that is just so menacing. He's not necessarily a good guy, but he's not a bad guy either. This is this is a world where you would be saying fuck the police every single day of your life. <laughs> you know, it's this is a this is a very cruel world and the fact that they if if a judge were to see you, um, they would literally get to to decide what happens to you. It's no longer uh, a system in place where you get arrested, have a trial with your peers and then get your sentencing, if any. This is all done on the spot. So, you know, the the police, as much as they are, you know, good guys, dread is certainly a a mean sort. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's an interesting dynamic that they have going in this film. Well, and and I mean, so this movie is rated R. Could you have made this a a Dr Judge Dread movie? as good as this one without having the copious amounts of violence? Could you made it PG-13? I don't... Maybe, but I think what what the violence is doing is is showing how harsh this world is, and I think that it would be hard to do that in a PG-13 setting. I think that it's more of the harsh reality of this world when you see that violence. I mean, these people are exposed to this every day, and we're only getting a glimpse of it for 90 minutes. Yeah, and it, it almost justifies the the necessity for the judges and the fact that they can judge. I mean, they get to judge the criminals then and there. And, right. you know, they're held to a high standard, of course, but it's like if they know, like, hey, I can sentence you to death, they better have a good reason. But it's, it's a necessity, because you're right, where you have bodies getting thrown over a railing in a, in a court where people are hanging out, and it's almost like, well, that's par for the course, right? Like, that's, right. that's an everyday thing. And that was disgusting. That scene was yeah. so gross. They were skinned alive first oh. with, with slow-mo, which, which oh. slows down your perception of reality yeah. by, like, I, a thousand percent. So that, yeah. that would have been pretty brutal. Yeah. So I I really, I, I think you're right. And, and so one of the things that it, this movie mirrored a lot, and I, the entire time I was watching it, is... Um, it seemed like RoboCop. It had a very RoboCop feel to it, um, where in the same thing, uh, Verhoeven, when he did RoboCop, I mean, he was like extreme violent. 
and you know these over the top like when that um i cannot remember that giant bad guy robot in robocop but when that thing oh um, it's yeah there named, you go named after ed newmeyer yep there you go yeah, yeah. So when that shoots the the guy up in the office when they first test, like it was so absurd. I mean, he like destroys yeah. that guy. It's like, yeah. And then and then in the in the Criterion version, it shows you the the director's cut. And while he's on that table, he's still getting shot up again. It's pretty gross. Oh, it's like just close ups on all these squibs just blowing up all over well, his body. <laughs> and 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 I think Verhoeven or Verhoeven, he was he did that with Total Recall too, and he kind of. Um, it wasn't even really, or even like Starship Troopers, but it wasn't, he wasn't doing it to be like, this is a violent world we live in. I think he was more just saying like, sometimes we are predisposed to this violence and we're kind of numb to it in a certain sense, um, but it's almost necessary for certain things. And, and in terms to have this crazy evil or this crazy good, you have to have the reason for that. And this is the reason. I mean, we, I, I have, yeah, we have we have dread, this, this unstoppable guy who... He's awesome. He's he's that Mad Max, right? He's that reputation precedes himself sort of thing. That cowboy that uh, rides into town, that Wyatt Earp. <laughs> right. But um, but it's it's so cool because, like, I agree with you. I think it's very it it is necessary to show like shit, dude. This is a this is a crappy world we live in right now, and I think the judges are our best bet in order to maintain some sort of stability. Right. So, um, but yeah, like I. I, I thought the violence was cool, and the slow mo. Um, I think, aside from the aesthetics, it it added to a really just kind of cool feel to it. We almost got put into the the drug user's point of view, where everything was so much slower and so weird. But um, I really liked what they did with with that work. It was almost like dreamlike too. Right. No, I agree. Especially yeah. with all the twinkles. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Um, Whoa! Look at all these. Sparkles. There's so many stars. Did he just? <laughs> oh, you didn't play Sega, so never mind. I was like, was he Sonic? Did he just run through that thing and get the sparkles? But you don't, you don't play Sega. <laughs> I, don't do so. I don't do, I don't do the internet, guys. <laughs> um, A B C are my buttons. I don't get it. <laughs> um. So I like what you said about uh, this is more Anderson's movie because that reminds me of uh, Fury Road, uh, where it's like cool. We know, we all know Mad Max, right? But Fury Road was, I think, Furiosa's movie, sure. and, and so I want to hear why you think it's Anderson, because I think that the buddy cop film genre, um, and I'm just using that term loosely, but the buddy cop film genre, it's been used for decades, and it can be outdated at times, but it's still, we still see it in film nowadays, and like, why do you think that that's important in so many films, and like, why is Anderson so important to dread in this movie? Well, I think the buddy cop thing works just because it's usually two very different personalities. So you have your yin and your yang to the point where um, it just works on screen to have two very different characters finding a way to, to coexist and work together to get the job done. Um, and when you might be able to be, it's easier to relate to one of those two characters instead of just, you know, having one person on screen and, and be like, oh, okay, whatever. I get it. Rambo, he's so cool. He can kill everybody. Right? <laughs> I want to hear more. No one ever said, I want to hear more about Rambo's buddy. No. <laughs> it's just interesting how that works. Ryan Dennehy? Uh, yeah. He's not this friend. Uh, I know. He doesn't like them long-haired, hippie, soldier types. Um, but in this particular movie, as far as Anderson goes, you know, they the judges are losing this war on the streets, and they need to find a out-of-the-box thinking way of... of getting the order in the chaos. And 
Anderson is a a mutant. You know, she her family died uh, at a young age, and she grew up what was like a hundred meters from the 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 border wall where the radiation was like strongest. So she has adapted these um, adopted these mutant powers. But what's interesting about her is even though she failed the initial assessment by three points, and and her Dread Dread's uh, superior says, you know, it's marginal. He's like, it's not marginal. She failed. <laughs> yeah. Like, what do we? It just shows how black and white he thinks at times. Absolutely. And and you know, it's like you know, it's pass or fail. She failed. She's done. And it's like, no, man, we gotta we gotta to to put her out there and see if she can handle it. And so it was a sink or swim scenario. She's like, just just take her out there and see how she does. And and Dread does that. He he lets her call the shots. And you know, even though they're facing like certain death. He's just like, all right, rookie, what what do you got? <laughs> and it's, what's cool too is at the beginning when they're about to go into the building, you know, he's like, or they're already in the building, but they're getting out of the elevator, and he's like, you know, are you ready? She's like, yeah. Like, you don't look ready. And then later at the end of the movie, after she's been through, been through hell and back, after being captured, being beat up, being shot at, actually killing people, you know, she was green at first, and now she's just she's gone from rookie to just like seasoned vet over the course of a couple of hours mm-hmm. and he's like are you ready she's like yeah he's like you look ready and that's like my favorite part in the whole movie he's like you look ready you look uh, ready he knows that that she has what it takes in that moment and i thought that was so cool mm-hmm. um and and then as far as her character goes she she has a metamorphosis that takes place you know she's she she wants to do this job and she gets there and you can see that she's not comfortable she's she's having a really hard time there's even that moment where um, she wounds one of the attackers, and Dred's like, "All right, man, sentence that son of a bitch. He's a, he's a piece of shit, and you should murder him." <laughs> and and you know he's on his knees. You know he's he's on the ground. She shoots him in the head, and then there's that revelation that when they go into that woman's apartment building for sanctuary, um, she is uh, the guy that she, that she killed, that she murdered, basically, or sentenced. We should probably say. The man that she's sentenced by shooting him in the head, uh, he is the baby daddy to the woman that she is, uh, that they're in that apartment with, and that was pretty hardcore for her. It, it was like a sort of a snap back to reality of how cold and harsh this world really is. And you know, she's given these moments when they capture Kay and she does the interrogation on him, and she turns it around. She's she's able to show how how powerful she is. Um, you know, there's even that moment when he's when Dred's like, you know, if they capture you. Uh, you you might not want to be taken alive, and he's like, she's like, oh shit, <laughs> he's like, yeah, you know, I'll let you decide. Um, that's some pretty scary stuff. And she holds her own too. I mean, you know, when Kay is trying to kill her, and she knows she's like, all right, I don't know what's gonna happen when he's trying to use my my lawgiver, my gun. And that part, I, I was not expecting that. I was really excited seeing that. But like, she's a badass. She's a stone cold badass. And even the other judge that um, the girl, she's like, it, I have her cold, right? Like. Either I shoot her first or she sees me, hesitates, and then I shoot her. Um, because of her uh, psychic ability, she's able to see through that. And then just immediately I'm like, oh, whoa, sweet. That was badass. There was no like weird standoff yeah. or anything like that. She just knew. And um, I, I think that she did redeem herself a bunch. And you're right. I mean, but it's interesting. But I, I, don't even, I don't even know if redeeming is the right word because she was just learning. Oh, she, never, true. she didn't really make any mistakes going going through this whole process. Yeah, she got her gun taken from her and everything, but that could happen to anybody. I mean, even even when they were in the elevator and she was like, 
you know, he's thinking about making a move for your gun. And Dredd's like, yeah. He changed his mind. He's like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, did, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That I, I liked so, that a lot. So she was just learning as she goes. So I, I don't think she really did anything wrong. It was just, uh, it's a steep learning curve. And she was able to pull it off. True. And I, I really did like uh, Carl Urban's performance in this because he he fit that kind of robotic guy. Like, he doesn't take his helmet off, like we were saying. And it adds to that, that mystery of, of who he is. Like, is he a real person or is he this guy that's so black and white that you can't really shift him? And Anderson plays that gray. She grew up in that type of uh, landscape with the peach tree. Like, she grew up with those type of people. So I think that's kind of why she was almost apprehensive, too, for certain things. Because she even says it. She's like, that's murder. That's not, like, you know, your... Th- your even even if it's it's still judgment or whatever, that's it's still murder. Um, but that's how you have to kind of weigh it too, though. It's like right. that and guy, she, and she can identify victims too. Yeah. Not everyone's a criminal. She's True. like, no, he, he's a victim. Like yep. referring to the, uh, the hacker guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a dread could have easily just shot him in the face and and went on with his day and had his you know fucking bonbons and and coffee or whatever. But she was like, she was like, no, man. He's a he's a victim. He's 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 not the bad guy here, and and that's what's really great about how these two complement each other, and I think Dread needs that uh, sort of sort of uh, balance to sort of have that even keel and not just shoot everybody all the time, you know. He even when it, there was those kids though, you know, he does have a, a softer side to him. Like he didn't want to just murder these kids or, or sentence these kids. He switched his gun to stun because it's just not cool to shoot kids, I guess. Even in the post-apocalyptic world, it's all, like, of, uh, all of Justice Handbook says, "Don't shoot kids." Yeah, whenever possible, <laughs> try to avoid doing that. Don't say "hot shot" around kids. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, there was that one scene where, uh, you know, they win the award for most bullets fired in an apartment building, where they have all those oh like, my God. guns, and oh they're just laying siege. And even even Mama gets on a gun, and she's just got this crazy look in her eye, um, and Dred just grabs you know, uh, one of her generals and he just throws him right off the ledge and walks back into the smoke. And yeah. and you can see that she's scared. She's like, that motherfucker, yeah. <laughs> how did that just happen? We just, we just yeah. laid waste to this place. Yeah. And, he, and he's throwing my guy off the roof. Oh, <laughs> I just, love that. He just took up my mini boss. He must have used a cheat code somehow. <laughs> I, I love that. I was not expecting that. I was expecting it to be some other henchman because I was thinking, uh, Caleb, I think was his name. I was expecting him to be like, Oh, you know, Dredd's got to fight him. or Anderson's got to fight him. And then I'm like, holy shit, he just threw him off the balcony <laughs> and then just walks back into the sh- into the smoke. Um, yeah, no, I thought that that was really cool. And I think that I think that Anderson or Dredd needed Anderson just as much as Anderson needed Dredd because, yeah, like Dredd had these certain things that he could do, but she kept him grounded and cleared him out and. I mean, he would have went in guns blazing for certain things, but he solicited her advice on what to do as he was training her. And I'm sure that it helped him along the way, too. He's like, all right, you're right. We need tact for this. We can't just run in hot against these Gatling guns and stuff. Um, but uh, I, I think that, it, yeah, I, I, I like where your head's at with that, that it's more of Anderson's movie. Why do you think, though, she rips off her her name badge at the end and is like, I, I quit, basically? Because she, I don't think that she quit. I thought that she thought that she failed. Oh, because she, she lost her gun. That was one of the rules. If her gun gets taken away from her, it's an automatic fail. Mm. He, he set he sets the the guidelines at the beginning. Um, and like if if she is got incorrect sentencing, it's a fail. 
she gets her gun taken away from her, it's a fa automatic fail. Um, and I think that because she lost her gun, and he is so just by the book that um, she thought that she failed. Mm -hmm. But then he, he obviously passes her, because even there in that moment... You know, in, in, in the Grinch fashion, his heart grew three sizes that day. <laughs> yeah, he, he realizes, like, yeah, she got her gun taken away, but she's a very resourceful judge, and look at we came out on top of all this. So mm -hmm. I, I think that that was sort of a learning moment for him as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I like that part. Uh, there's a couple of things that really stand out to me, and there's that one where he's like, you know, he's like, where's your helmet? And she's like, well, the helmet can interfere with my psychic abilities. And he's like... I think a bullet might interfere with him more. <laughs> I just like his thinking, you know, like this yeah. is our uniform. This we have this helmet for a reason. Yeah. And you're fucking up my program. And then um I had seen this video uh it was on YouTube by uh, Cinema Wins and they recognized these scenes that I didn't really notice. Um and I always thought they were cool, but I didn't really appreciate it at the time. But um the differences in these shootout sequences at Peach Trees, the first one is in slow motion. And that's when you see, like, the bullets go through the cheek and through the stomach. And that's when they apprehend Kay. Mm -hmm. And then the next shot of the – or next shootout sequences, there, there's green gas going on. Um, and then in the third one is flashbang. So you're seeing all these different tactical um, situations happening where they're able to play to their advantage. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they're just a, a, like a lone gunman, basically. And it's using their tools to be successful. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. I, and I really like that. And I like how their gun has all those different abilities uh, just so they can be sort of a one-man army. And it's hard to believe that any other judge can be as effective as Dredd. Um, you know, like the, the crew at the end, you know, they're like four, a group of four. Whereas it would normally just be Dredd flying solo. But in this case, he has um, Anderson. But yeah. I, do, I do like the tactical approach and how he sees things. And it would be really cool if we knew if their helmet did more than just block debris. It would be so badass if we got sort of like a Terminator shot that shows like a heads-up display of some kind. Um, I think that would be really cool. But Yeah, don't. I agree with you because I, I thought the helmet was really cool. I, I at least wanted to see like a bullet towards the head and it get deflected or something off the helmet. Because other than that, I was like, oh yeah, uh, other than it looked really looking really cool i didn't see the purpose it necessarily served so you're right a, a hud display would be sweet um or something like that but yeah he uh i agree with you that the tact that they used and all that different the tactical gear and everything they used was really really cool because it it showed what was they had at their their will basically at the disposal um but it also showed you i mean in um i almost called him nux but dom hill gleason that guy he when he counted he's like that's 30 bodies or whatever and it's just him and her killing them and you can see mama she's like shit <laughs> this yeah. is gonna be, this is gonna be a lot harder than i thought and all he has is his gun like he's not using he's you know like his flashbangs and everything but he has different methods for what he's doing. And he's he's asking Anderson, like, what do you do? It's like a training purpose. So he's been in this kind of situation before. Maybe not this exact one, but he's like, Anderson, what do we do? Like, they're coming to kill us. What do we do? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I like that. Because you're right. It would have been kind of a boring movie if it was just like, oh, he's going crazy and killing everybody and not training somebody. The stakes weren't higher for him, right? Right. So I think that it was cool to see Anderson. And I think with removing her helmet, you really get to see her expressions in what's happening and stuff, and you really kind of get to know her character. And I think it humanizes the judges uh, because mm -hmm. Dredd is, you know, you, you thought of RoboCop immediately. Like, yep. he's not even human. He's just some some unstoppable force. 
like a Terminator that will not stop. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, can't be reasoned with, can't be bargained with, you know, absolutely will not stop until you are dead. Like, that is that is the dread uh, sort of archetype that you've built, right? Like, that's, this is what he is. Whereas with with Anderson, she's just a, a strong woman that is uh, put in this extraordinary situation and you're able to see the horror in her face, in her expressions, and her finding ways to deal with it. And you would not have that human factor with Carl Urban just being a badass for 90 minutes. I think you mean Keith Urban, but <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so, but the uh, so it, the thing that it reminded me of, of RoboCop was when they threw they had those ten guys that were by the elevators, and he threw the the stun grenade down there, and he's like, "You have 20 seconds to comply." Like he he sounded very much like RoboCop in that one, right. and I was like, "Is this on purpose?" Or are they just trying to do this because, you know... Well, I think he, you know, he never has fear in his voice. Mm. Um, you know, he has a very uh, interesting tone in how he's always giving orders. You know, he never comes off as a pushover by any stretch of the imagination. And maybe if his voice was was more like ours... Then they'd be like, oh, fuck this guy. <laughs> I'd be listen. scared. I'd be scared of you. You'd be like, you have 20 seconds to comply. <laughs> and you should do it. That's going to be really bad. You should do it or you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> You'll be sorry. You'll be sorry. It'll be like that. Like game piece when I bump it and you got to go all the way back to the start. And I go, you want me to take a dime? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get down on the ground. You want me to take a dime? Take a dime. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> you don't think I know Marty? I love Marty. It's not three times. <laughs> and I think we didn't, we didn't really talk about uh, Mama very much, but she's a very damaged uh, person. She mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, basically a, a slave, like a sex slave, as it were. She was a prostitute, and she was, um, you know, her face was cut up by her pimp, and she got her revenge, and it was a very empowering moment for her to the point where she has just adopted a criminal life because she got her freedom and it's interesting because you know when she's she's she doesn't smile much and the few times that she does is when she's on the slow-mo and so it's like her when her reality is changed for a little bit that's the only time she ever really has joy which is kind of crazy to think about even when she's about to die you know she's thrown off a building she's smiling on her way down yeah (laughs) it's kind of crazy it's like, is she smiling because the horror is over and now she can just be done with it? Or is she smiling because she's just in this euphoric state? It's kind of an interesting um, argument. Like, she is she glad to be dead now? Yeah. It makes you wonder. It, it's almost like she doesn't feel much of anything because she's just emotionless in her expressions. And, I mean, she's so badass. Like, she's a great actress. I love her as Cersei. Um, and we see how ruthless she can be. Um, this role, though, I, I wasn't... So I liked her, and I liked her her big face scar and everything, and just yeah, kind of meth the, mouth. that crazy imagery. But I, I wanted, I just wanted something a little more over the top in terms of an exuberant villain, you know, like somebody who's just kind of like I wanted peacock feathers or something like that. I wanted something something big. But um, she did do a really good job. I just, I, I feel like a better, more extravagant villain would have fit the the mold of this film and like everything going on with it just in my humble opinion my most humble opinion but yeah. <laughs> um so i like that you said that um 
you know, he is so serious and uh, with dread and he, he never he's like unwavered, basically he doesn't show his fear or whatever. Um, and that kind of goes back to I mean, even those four other judges are like, you're the famous dread like this is you, you tell me wait right before I'm about to kill you and stuff. So clearly, without us going doing our homework and stuff, we know that he has this really deep and rich backstory. Um in certain films, just like Tombstone with Wyatt Earp, you know, he has this reputation that precedes himself. Why are we so obsessed with with stories that have a hero, pariah entity like that, that uh, their reputation precedes himself? What, why, as viewers, is that important to us? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I feel like that it makes it to where they're easy to root for. I mean, I, I if I'm going to go watch a, a policeman catch bad guys all day i want to know that he is a badass and that he's going to take care of me in my journey through this world <laughs> <laughs> he'll be your kevin costner and he'll yeah. <laughs> be your bodyguard but what if but what if he wasn't a great person what if yeah he was stone cold ruthless all this kind of stuff but what if he wasn't a good person on the side what if he like i don't know tipped only five percent instead of 15 right. standard 15 right. what, what well, that's shit? what i'm saying i mean like he's like in this movie he shows no remorse when he's doing this 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 job, and maybe that's the conflict that he's feeling when Anderson identifies it when through the wall. Remember, she's like uh, when she's just in the room by herself, and the the head judge lady is like, she's like, hey, how many of us are in this room right now? And she's like, what can you tell me about him? And and she starts to go in about how he feels something different. You know, she's like, but there's more to it, and she's like trying to explain that he could be feeling like conflicted. Like maybe dread doesn't necessarily like his job. <laughs> maybe it's starting to weigh on him. Like who knows what he's going through. Right. You know, there's a reason why police officers have a psychiatrist that they can talk to after they've had, you know, a crazy altercation or that they have someone, they have resources that can, they can go to after they've experienced something horrifying, you know, and that's, that's a good thing. People need to talk about this stuff. I don't think dread talks to anybody about these problems. He's a, he's a lone gunman, he's killing people all day long, and eventually that's going to weigh him down. He's probably filled with so much conflict that a Sith Lord would love to have a day with this man <laughs> to, to get his rage out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he, he doesn't have anybody to talk to about that sort of thing. Well, and I really like... Um, so, I, Damn it, hold on, sorry, I clicked on IMDb and it went to the stupid stream again. Um, so I, I really do like that she did that and she dove into maybe there's more to him than just this Stone Cold service. And that's why I, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with this. And we didn't really touch on this too much, but apparently they are working on making a Mega City One, a, it's a Dread Mega City One TV series and, and Carl Urban is like all for it. He wants to reprise the role. I am 100% on board with that, especially if we can get stuff like The Boys. Like, you watch The Boys, right? Yeah. On Amazon. Yeah, he's so good in that. And if we can get that again, and we can uh, get more of a backstory of Dread and see what Anderson saw in him and, like, that kind of stuff, like, slowly draw it out, that would be awesome. And I think that that would, would work really, really well. Because, obviously, we see how much of a badass Dread is. But I would like to see what happened. Because he's a clone, am I correct? He is a clone from the comic books, right? I have no idea. Okay, I'm pretty sure he is. Let's just go with that because I'm right. I'm never wrong, but um, I'm pretty sure he's a clone. And um, anyhow, he he he's the most feared judge out there right now. He is the Batman, but he is the most dangerous Batman. So, oh, oh, oh my. Um, 
But yeah, I um I really liked it. Um, there were certain parts though that the slow mo got kind of weird for me. I think it worked really well, and I could see why it's three D. And I almost feel like sometimes they used it just for the three D. But it did work really well in certain aspects. Like when the guy was getting thrown off the balcony, my stomach was like, "Oh god," because it's just showing you, and he's leaning over, and then he's just falling, and you're like, "Oh goodness," it was a fear of mine, but. I thought that that was uh, it, it. It did pretty well for the the tone of the movie, and just to show how evil she is, how evil Mama is. Right. Um, but yeah, are there any other standout scenes that you want to talk about or anything? Um, I, I love. So. I think I talked about all of them. I love, like, like what you were saying too about we got to see pretty much all of his gun capabilities with, without him being like this is the lawgiver, this is what it does or whatever. Yeah. You got to. You got to see him. He's like, he's like incendiary or high XG, EXG or whatever. And it would show yeah, you high, the X. Yeah. high X. Yeah. And um, art, like armor piercing, it would show you everything that was going on with it. And you knew uh, the capabilities he had as a judge. And I'm like, this is pretty sweet. Pretty sweet. I like, it. I like it when he hits the guy in the neck and he's like, choke on that. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, dude. That was pretty brutal. I like when he kept going. After he'd kill them, he'd be like split three ways, or he'd be like two ways now, or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that cool. Was, that was great. I I love that movie, and then I think just the the sense of accomplishment that like they start at the bottom and they get all the way to the top of this building, and just them clearing rooms and clearing hallways with the music playing. Uh, Paul Leonard Morgan is the one that did the music, and um, it's just really cool, and I, I love seeing it. It's almost just like a work of art. Like you know how when when Three Hundred came out. And it's almost like a ballet when you're watching just these murders happen on the screen. Um, that was when this whole slow motion effect thing was kind of new. And uh, it, it grew tiresome uh, at some point in my film watching career. Like, I don't need slow motion all the time um, <laughs> to show an action shot. In this particular case, it was only used when they were using the drugs, which I thought was why it worked. Like when it clear that room and they're all high, uh, the whole room is all puffing on the inhaler. So everyone is experiencing the slow motion. So it's cool for us to see what it would be like for them. Um, but I don't need action shots slowed down to to be effective. Mm-hmm. And I like the fast pacedness of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I feel like I don't have a moment to breathe. There's a lot of action. And the only real talking is when she when Anderson is giving some sort of insight as to how they should go about this investigation. Yeah. And I think you're right. The the pacing is awesome. And that's, that can make or break an action film because you have to have just enough to be able to slow down for people to slightly catch their breath and then pick back up. And again, I'll use it cause I just, I'll keep, you know, beating a dead horse, but Mad Max Fury Road does it perfectly. It, it gives you that intense action over the top action. And you're like, you finally get a chance to breathe, and then boom, it's at it again. Uh, same thing with the Raid Redemption. Um, it's that type of, okay, we can kind of calm down a little bit here, and then crazy hand-to-hand combat. Right. Um, and I think that this movie accomplishes that actually very well. Um, I, I, I dug it. Some of the CG uh, was a little, CGI was a little wonky for me, um, but it was, I didn't really mind that much after a bit. Um, it was a very high budget, though. You said $50 million, so I'm wondering what that, went to do you think it was mostly just the bullets went to a lot of bullets <laughs> a ton of bullets i would say the visual effects are pretty expensive um but 
uh, you know, back to the whole getting a moment to catch a breath. I think a lot of that is for um, Anderson and Dredd to catch their breath. You know, mm. it's when they're going around a corner or they they got a moment to just kind of regroup, reload, and go back at it again. Mm-hmm. And even they are getting a little weathered. <laughs> they're just like, God damn it! <laughs> How many more people do we got to kill to get this out of this building? <laughs> Yeah, um, it's it's just like Die Hard too in that certain sense where you know he's he's working his way through and it's like man he's just taking a beating to some of this stuff. Yeah, but, that shirt was white when this movie started. <laughs> I know. <laughs> now it's all black and covered with blood, <laughs> and his feet have a bunch of glass in it. <laughs> yeah, he looks like he's in a Tarantino film. <laughs> I really did like the costumes in this too. I loved the outfits for the judges. Their uniforms were so cool. Um, they were so they were futuristic, but. They also seemed pretty grounded. They weren't over the top futuristic where it was canny or I'm sorry, where it was corny and campy. Um, it was very it seemed practical for the most mm-hmm. part. It seemed, it seemed practical. I, I mean, again, I, I wish I would have seen a little bit more of what the helmet was doing and maybe more of like where they had. Did they have bulletproof vests on? Because, you know, he got shot with an armor pierced round. But yeah, so I think they have some sort of, of armor plating in them. Uh, to the point where, you know, when he had the armor piercing round, it went through the wall, then it went through his back vest, out his front, but the front exit wound was pretty small, so I feel like it did a lot of um, uh, damage reduction in okay. the process. That makes sense. That was pretty gnarly when he, like, field-dressed his wound, and then... It, yeah, like... he's got, like, a Batman utility belt kind of thing. Yeah. Really yeah. Cool. And it then was weird. at the end, too, when he, when he fixes Anderson up. You know, he, like, patches her up when they're going down the elevator. Because mm-hmm. uh, she had gotten shot, and uh-huh. I really like that. Like they kind of had this moment where normally it would be spoiled by like, "Hey, how was your first day, man? <laughs> <laughs> you know, five o'clock somewhere." And uh, and they didn't have that. They just had the eye intercourse for a second, and the music had this sort of hopefulness to it. The sun was coming out, and the day was over. She mm-hmm. could she she earned her stripes. I thought that I- was great. I'm such a sucker, but I loved it when he was got on the PA and he explained to all the citizens. He's like, Mama's not the law. He's like, I'm the law. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty solid delivery. Oh, I yeah. loved it. Carl Urban is he's so good. And, and then all we're looking at is the bottom part of his face, too, mind you. Yeah. You know, it's very much like a Batman where yeah, you can't even see his eyes though. It's literally just his mouth. So he's doing all of his acting through his through his dialogue and through his motions and, and he pulls it off. Like he is dread. He's he's fucking badass in this movie. He's got some good teeth too. <laughs> he brushes them every day. <laughs> yeah, he's got one of them rotary deals. That's on his utility belt. Sonicare. Field field dressing Sonicare. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's all I really have to say. What what say you? Anything else? You want to yeah, talk about? I, I mean I just I love the movie. I, I appreciate it from start to finish. Um if you haven't seen this movie um, do yourself a favor and go watch it. And go see it. That's a good movie. I chose not to say that. Uh, but I just really, really like it. And and yeah. it's one of those ones where it's like, uh, where it's like yeah, you have it in your collection, someone comes over to your house, and you're like, oh, you haven't seen this movie? Here, just take it. And it's almost like for me, I, like, I don't even need it anymore. It's like I, I just hand it to somebody. It's like a paperback book where it's like you've read it you're never gonna read it again you just you hand it to somebody and say here it's all yours like that's that's what dread is to me it's like it needs to go into as many homes as possible and and just pass it on it's like stis you're just trying to pass it on to everybody (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I agree. I think I think it's cool because um, you're right. It's one of those ones that you're like, look, it's you're going to be hard pressed to find somebody who's not re- going to really like this movie, and they might have little gripes on it, but what are you going to say? Like, oh, there's too much violence. I'd be like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> like, <laughs> we see more violence on the news. I mean, <laughs> like, um, but it was, uh, no, I, I thought it was, it was a fun movie to watch. It was easy to follow. It was a very linear plot, but they added just enough to make it a twist. I wasn't really expecting um, the whole, uh, the thing with the judges to be villains. I thought that that was kind of cool. Um, I thought that those four judges that came in were either going to get slaughtered or they were going to, own some ass for a little bit and then get slaughtered. And I was like, Oh shit, they are villains. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting that. So there was some fun little twists and stuff in there. Um, and I, I think that you're right. Anderson humanized him a lot and she was great in it. Um, so yeah. What's a letter grade you give it? Oh man. I, I give a lot of A's. <laughs> I really, really like it. Okay. You can, you can give an A, you can give it a minus if you want. Okay. I'll give it an A minus. Nice. Um, but I, I would love to see more of this movie. Uh, there are a billion Judge Dredd comic books out there. Um, get your hands on them. There are tons of graphic novels to read with all these amazing story arcs. So just go out there and read them. Um, I, I've only read two, I think, in my entire existence, but I've always enjoyed them. Um, so if you like this movie, feel free to dabble in the Dread universe a little bit more. And I would love to get more, whether it just be a Mega City 1 series and Dread pops in and out. Or if it is strictly about dread, uh, either way, I'm all for it. I think it's a fun world, and there's a lot to, to be had from it. Um, I, I kind of had this, like this sort of lethal weapon two sort of plot line that I would like to see, where just a bunch of judges <laughs> are getting killed off. Diplomatic immunity. Diplomatic immunity. <laughs> it's just been revoked. Uh, <laughs> I think that would be really cool. Where he's just trying to figure out who's killing uh, all the judges. Oh uh, yeah. That'd be cool. Sort of like a murder mystery, but um, whatever. I'm no, sure something like that exists, but I think it'd be fun to see Dread do that on a, on a motion picture level. And they definitely set it up for sequels, which I like that he wrote off in the sunset sort of thing. And it's like, Judge Dread will return in whatever. Right. And Anderson had her helmet. Did you see that? Like she was walking oh. away. Uh, so when he's saying, you know, out of, I forget the line, but it's something like, uh, the only thing fighting for order in in the chaos um, are are judges, and yeah. she's like, she has her helmet, like she's going on to start her day. Um, but they don't really have partners, which is weird. You would think in this in this world where it's so crazy mm-hmm. that they would have like a support system in place. But I guess that's why they have all those guns that do all that shit because you know there's there's only a handful of judges and there's eight hundred million people. So, but well, she 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 does have her helmet in her hand, like she's going to use it. Yeah. Do you? I mean, do they have? Do they not have partners, or is it just Judge Red? He's so good, he's by himself all the time. Because even those oh. two, those two judges that go to oh yeah yeah they were street, together they were together and it, and I so it, it it's probably case by case, but he's just so like good that he needs to be by himself. Right. Um, I would like to see them work together. Agreed. And, yeah, I would. Won't, uh, but it would have been cool. <laughs> I mean, we don't know. We for for Mega City, I know. Show, it might you know never say never. So Justin Bieber told me. Um, but yeah, I give this movie. Uh, I'll give it an A minus. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought that it was fun. Um, it. The only reason it's not an A is because I love the Raid Redemption so much more, and it it is a carbon copy at times of it. But I think that this was really fun, and it was it was just a good movie to put on. It wasn't very long. It was like an hour and a half. You know, you, you didn't have to be super super invested into it because it kind of unfolded as you you went, and so. 
yeah, I really enjoyed this movie, though, a lot. I was glad that we did this one. Um, I don't really have any negative Nancy things to say about it, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at DBCrazyPod, at EdgyArmo, and at ZachDale60, where you can share your thoughts with us, and we'll discuss them on our show. You can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next episode. Just please remember, don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. 